You're Mingling with the Mimosa Mamas, a podcast that inspires and empowers women to live authentic always. Now here's your host, Erin and Erica. Thanks for listening to Mingling with the Mimosa Mamas. Welcome back. We hope this show will inspire you and empower you to feel supported on your own health journey. Today's episode, we have Beatrice Casas, who has been battling and surviving endometriosis for 17 years. Welcome, Beatrice. Hi, Hi. thanks for having me, guys. Ting Ting. Are you a fan? Oh, I'm the biggest fan, girl. I seriously love you guys. I'm so happy to be here and enjoying this time with you. I've been listening and having a lot of fun with you, but now I can ting ting with you guys. And we're so happy to have you here because um, what a special way to share with our listeners exactly what you've been going through and to call you a warrior you all will know why pretty soon Mm -hmm. as Beatrice will share her story um she's inspiring she's an amazing beautiful woman and we appreciate (laughs) you being here but before we begin can we talk about your long drive yeah oh yeah I came from Fresno it was about probably about two hours but I did flip off as many people as I could Yes, you know everybody that I can outrun. I feel like that's the. <laughs> I feel like that's the number one rule. You have to be able to outrun them. So Absolutely. I'm here, and I'm in one piece. <laughs> Two hours, and after flipping off several people, I love it. This, this girl loves us, you guys. Oh, love! I'm the biggest fan girl. You guys have no idea. Thank you so much oh, for thank being you here. So much. We're so excited to have you share your story with our listeners. So, you get started. You know, I'm I'm really, really thankful you guys had me here um, because endometriosis is something that and we've seen in the last couple of years come more to the foresight, you know, with, you know, Julianne Huff is a huge speaker for endospeak.com. Um, and there's been more and more. I know, um, I believe it was Gabrielle Union that had some issues with infertility. She never really came out and said, to, to my knowledge, that she came out and said endometriosis, but she had a lot of miscarriages. She had a lot of stuff that could possibly be related to endometriosis so I know that something she was touching on um so it's really really cool that I mean I don't know any other word to say cool that more women are speaking about this very silent disease because I am just tired of us suffering in silence it's not for us it is cool I think that um just you you know using your voice and using this platform that you have Mm -hmm. to talk about it with our listeners and just everyone that you know is just so inspiring so yeah I mean I think the great thing to do now is to not at at first when I started speaking about it I was trying to reach as many women and I know that that's not the case anymore because so many men are here are listening and and even children I mean really children are listening to what is hurting my mommy what's hurting my sister what's hurting my wife you know daughter all of those things my dad became very you know um concerned over the years and when we had a diagnosis he's been right there i mean my mom my dad they have been instrumental um but my dad but the reason why i talk about my dad is because men don't i don't think that they really have a connection to it but the more and more it's it spoke about then they can get help for the women that they love you know at least bring it up in a conversation you know so i'm trying to reach as many people now as i can good for you i love that so it's really exciting Good for you. And I'm glad that we're um, we're touching all of these subjects because it's almost like a, I don't want to call it a silent, what do you feel? Do you feel like it's a silent disease? Only because 
we're talking about men and in the and when you go to work and you're in the workplace even women start to judge you when you say you know i'm having a bad month a bad cycle i'm cramping so why don't you talk to our listeners about how it all began for you well the reason why i call it actually a silent disease and an invisible disease because you kind of have to, even though you kind of touch on it and say, I'm hurting, I'm cramping, those kind of things are just like, oh, they get, you know, pushed to the side. You're just having cramps. But you really cannot touch on the major parts of how much it affects your life. So you can't even really elaborate on it because people are already not listening. If that, That's why I say it's a silent disease because you almost can't even talk about it. You're almost silenced about it because... They're like, you're fine, it's just cramps, you know? And then that takes your voice away right then and there. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to go in the room and suffer in silence. And it's invisible because if you could see what it's doing inside your body, you would have bruises and and scrapes and burns and everything. So that's why I consider it that way. Um, When I first noticed that it was an issue, um, I had just had my period and I was a late bloomer. I started when I was 15. So, you know, my, my friends had talked about it, and I was kind of like, when am I going to get it? You know, when I got it, I really got it. Um, at that time, I was really close to my dad, and I remember telling my dad about it first. And I said, um, there's something not right, you know. And he said, well, it's new. And, and my mom was very, very much involved, but I just remember telling my dad first. That's, That's just the first memory I had. Yeah. Usually girls go to their mom yeah Yeah. and I and my mom and I became super super close as I got older but for some reason maybe it's just because my dad was there that day or something I just remember telling him and you know he got me help and then my mom came home I told her about it and she said okay well let's see how it how it progresses something very very new for you um so she started me out going was this the first day that that you're talking about the first time you started your period or just the very first day, you it was the pain. crippling cramps. Wow, wow. I It knocked me off my feet. That's how I knew something was happening. Day one. Day, day one. one. Wow. Day one. Yeah. Day one. Started bleeding really, really bad. Okay. I knew what was happening, and I obviously at that time didn't know something was wrong, right. but I just felt like from what my friends had told me over the course of it, it was more of an annoyance, and this was more of affecting me from the very first day. Wow. Then, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a rebel. And over the course of a few years, my mom said, you know, you're only using pads. And I said, okay, you know, whatever. Um, then I actually went behind her back and used a tampon at, at school. I've never used one before. I didn't know what to do. She noticed the signs right away of uh, toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. Oh, no. I got very, very sick. We went to the hospital. They oh. treated me for toxic shock, but my mom spoke up. She said, there's something else wrong with her. If we're good, if you're seeing her for this, I need you to look at other things. Good so she mom. was my advocate from yeah. the very wow. beginning. And her and my dad were a team to make sure that they were not just dismissing what was wrong. My, my Well, did your mom also have issues? You know, when she started her period, was there anything relatable there with with you and your mom? You know, I looking back at it now, yes, because I think my mom did have a form of endometriosis, but she didn't know what it was. She just had a hysterectomy and she felt better. She had, you know, I, I remember I mean, this is a long time ago, but I'm thinking I remember her having 
you know, issues with tumors and, and growths and stuff, but they didn't know what it was. They said, well, you're past the childbearing stages. If you don't want to have any more kids, let's just take it out. And that was the answer. That was the answer. That was the answer. So I think days. now looking yeah. back at it with as much information as we now have, she probably was having endometriosis. But, you know, that's not something that they have... Um, Genetically linked. Yeah, they haven't linked it yet. They, it's very common, but it's not something that they put on paper, to my knowledge. Okay. So. Again, uh, B is talking about, to her knowledge, of course, we are not doctors. Um, we're not medical expertise, so we want to make sure we, we say that on air. Um, so... Go ahead. I'm sorry. With uh, continuing on with letting us know um, exactly, you know, the support that you were getting from your parents is amazing. Yes, it was. I mean, even to this day, they are my biggest support system. But at that time, she knew something was wrong. I've been complaining about it for a long time. So we had a surgery. They said that there were some abnormalities. But because I, I just feel like I was from a small town, we they weren't equipped to really dive into what it could be. So I had my first surgery at 16. For what? Um, what was it I considered? honestly don't remember. Don't um, remember. I think it was definitely something related with the uterus, but I really don't remember. Okay. Um, but at 17, I got pregnant, and I had an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, no. And my left fallopian tube collapsed. Oh, so at that time, no. to save my life, we had the surgery that day. I mean, I found out so much in just a few days. I found out I was pregnant. I found out it was ectopic. I had a, um, a left fallopian tube erupt. So we were in the hospital uh, within a matter of days after I found out I was pregnant. Um, and B, what was the surgery for? That was to save. I was internally bleeding. Ooh. So that was to basically save me. Save um, wow. the, saving the baby or saving my tube was secondary. Right, I mean, they were just trying to save me and figure out what was going on. So when that happened... And listeners, she was 17. 17. Oh. You yeah. are... I was a baby having I, a baby. I'm looking at you like with this awe in my eyes oh, because... No. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't Ugh. even... Re I, I don't think I was comprehending what was going on. You know? And yeah. I was... At that time, I was so confused on my body and, and, and where... Me as a woman, period. Because I knew that something was wrong, but I wanted to act like my friend. I wanted to just be a normal girl. So I was making the decisions that, you know, some teenage girls make. And I paid a, a really dear price because when I had the surgery, they couldn't find the fetus at that time. So at that point, it might have attached itself somewhere else. So there were other issues that were going on, and I had to take a, a medicine to actually have me have a... I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, it's almost like a abortion. miscarriage, like a forced yeah. miscarriage. Yeah. So at 17, I did not know what I was doing. And even mm -hmm. to this day, almost 33 years old, and it still affects me. You know, and still mm -hmm. those thoughts always still affect me. Um, but, so but that tragedy actually turned into triumph for me because I graduated early. I left um, my, my town, Ardmore, and we... I, I secretly think it was a search, too, for my parents to find a doctor. We found a doctor as soon as we came here. Back to California. Back to California, Fresno. We found a doctor, Camila Marquez, and she has been so instrumental in my life, period. Life choices that I've made since I was 19. But she said, I think I know what this is. Thank goodness for Dr. Marquez. Oh, Dr. Marquez in Fresno, God, California. Yeah. She is amazing, Camila Marquez. And... She said, I think I know what this is. And instantly, all three of our eyes just kind of lit up because 
we're like, we would love to know what this is, you right. know? Yeah. So we had a laparoscopic surgery, which they do three incisions, one in your belly button and then two off uh, right and left. She, she sticks her, in, uh, as far as the instrument f to cut to, and then she has two instruments and one camera. So she goes in there and she looks at everything. She takes pictures. Immediately came back and said, "You have endometriosis." Wow! Wow! Okay. And how old are you again? Nineteen. Nineteen. Hearing. So it at took age four. Nineteen. Mm -hmm. So how are you feeling when you're finally getting a diagnosis? You know, years later. Um, I had a mix of emotions, but the two that I remember was scared and relieved. And it was really hard to figure out why I feel those two things at the same time. But I felt them. I was scared. I didn't know what I was, what it was, what I was getting into. And I was relieved because we had something that we were going towards. Absolutely. So it was really a But weird to situation. comprehend this, Beatrice, I'm sorry. Um, to comprehend this at age 19, I mean, is just unimaginable. Because, mm -hmm. you know, women, of course, you know, we've been told that we mature um, quite earlier than yeah. faster than men mm -hmm. but at 19 i mean good god like how do you process this like i can't imagine i'm looking at you you're mm -hmm. a beautiful in your 30s woman and i i, I like want to embrace you and just hug you because i i wish i would have known uh, beatrice and i have known each other for many years mm -hmm. i should say this many years and to know that you were suffering like this, it's, well, it's heartbreaking to me. And goes, I'm trying not to cry yeah. looking at her because... It kind of goes back to being a silent disease. Because although, although you see me hurting, you don't know the extent. And at that time, I didn't know the extent. It was just happening, you know? And my parents and I were on this journey that we were on this, you know, roller coaster that we were not willing to get off. And I don't really feel like we knew we were gonna get off. And at 33, I'm still not off, you know? It's still a roller coaster, but it really has shaped me to figure out, make really good and bad life choices, you know? But that's why it's a roller coaster, it's all over the place. And with endometriosis, um, please share with our listeners, it's basically kind of not allowing you to be a mother. So at 19, did they share this with you? Did, did, did Dr. Marquez, mm -hmm. obviously, did she share with you? you it's, it might be a journey to become a mother. Yes. She talked to me a lot about that. And a, a lot of the conversation from age 19 to yesterday it <laughs> seems like is to have a baby have a baby um endometriosis actually stops it's, that's the only cure for it is pregnancy so for nine months you don't have any hurt you don't have any pains you don't have any aches you don't have anything like that you have pregnancy aches but it cures it um so a lot of the treatment for endometriosis is to put you in in your you put your hormones in a place where it thinks you're pregnant either you're pregnant or you're in menopause um, so we went those, we went both routes. Um, but yeah, she did talk about infertility. Uh, we did she wouldn't want to touch on it because as a 19 year old girl, that's just hearing that she's diagnosed, you don't want to go with the worst case scenario. And trust me, that is the worst case scenario. Okay. So it wasn't like complete overload information that they give you. Like she was the best at giving me the information as I needed to do it. And that's why I said she was my therapist and my doctor, you know, because she knew what I needed to hear and what I uh, and needed to hear as far as what my journey was going to be. But she also didn't want 
to take any hopes and dreams away from me because she felt like we were going to tackle this and we were going to be victorious. What a blessing. Is an ectopic pregnancy, is that typical when you have endometriosis? You know, that's a good question. I actually don't know. I feel like ectopic pregnancies happen for unknown reasons yeah. um but it could have been related who know I, I that's a really great question i never really honestly thought about it okay. looking back um but it could have been yeah absolutely could have been i think i was almost four months when it happened wow. so but oh i didn't know gosh. because i was bleeding wow. right. i was i yeah. was having endometriosis and <clears throat> but but pregnancy does cure endometriosis but at that time my hormones hadn't reached where they were supposed to be because i was having an ectopic pregnancy mm-hmm. okay. so i was still bleeding you know, so it, it's, it's such a weird thing, you know, it, it's really weird how the body works. But I was pregnant, but I hadn't reached complete hormone pregnancies yet because it wasn't responding. It wasn't traveling the way through my tube like it was supposed to. So that's how we found out. So tell us a day in the life of Beatrice, menstrual cycle. Well, yeah, I definitely can take you through that. I've had so <laughs> many days. Please. I mean, really? now it's, thank God, it's a little bit different. We'll touch on that. Why? But before... Um, I always say the first steps out of my bed were the hardest because my feet were completely swollen. They were in pain. So the whole, you know, 10, 12 steps to the restroom were hard. As soon as I sat down, I'm bleeding. Honestly, it's just a lot of, a lot of blood. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to deal with it, how I'm not going to deal with it. And most of the time I say waking up, but most of the time I was up all night. You know, I had with pain, pain. bleeding, pain. Uh, the endo, we call them endo attacks in endometriosis community because they are, they're labor pains. If women that have had babies, they know the highest peak of labor, labor is equivalent to one endo attack. So we literally walk around with that all day. Oh, that is insane. And how long do these endo attacks last, typically? Uh, usually, I would have 30 to 40 a day, and oh. they last for anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour at a time. Oh. How do you live? And I, I don't know. The quality how do you of your life. a job. I don't know. Relationships. Seriously, how? I mean, the quality I don't know. of your life. Right? <laughs> I don't know it's how so I did it. Compromised by this. It is. I mean, you, that everything. is so heartbreaking. Every thought you make, every errand you have to run, every decision that you have to make at work, it's always affected. It is. It's, and I think because I was younger, I got through it a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but. It, you develop so much. You develop depression and anxiety and all of those things that you don't know why you feel this way, but you have anxiety because you don't know when the next endo attack is going to happen. You have depression because you know it's going to happen. You can't, make, you can't make events or things possible or plans because you don't know what you're going to feel like. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't touch on this. Endometriosis is actually what it is. It's the endometrium tissue that usually forms inside the uterus but this forms on the outside so instead of protecting your uterus from any kind of menstrual uh, blood or anything like that it actually attacks it because it's in the wrong place and it grows and it spreads and it starts attacking those organs that it's on and that's where the pain comes from because it's almost as if your body is attacking itself and your body is doing everything it can naturally to fight off trauma, and it has trauma on top of it. So that's why where the pain comes in. And that's why your uterus doesn't know what to do. It bleeds. It bleeds. I mean, I was bleeding three weeks out of the month. Oh 
And maybe uh, if I had a lot of medication, then it that to stop the bleeding, that'd be the only time it did. I, I know for three months, I bled every single day for three months. And that's my question. Um, is there a medication that you can take to lessen this the severity of all of this? There's a lot of treatments, hormonal-based treatments that we started from the beginning. Um, surgery was not always our first choice. Um, their birth control, they usually put you on a low dosage of birth control. Um, there are Depravera shots um, that cause weight gain. Um, you do that once every six months. There's also hormonal-based shots that you have a couple times a week. So uh, for me, I had a patch that I wore every day for years. My gosh. Um, you, you change it every week. But I wore it every day so I didn't have a, a period. So I didn't bleed for three years, um, oh, three, almost it. four years. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. um, but it also affected a lot of other things um, mm -hmm. because my hormones were off. I was only 23, but I was in menopause. Um, my hormones were off. Uh, I was having deep, dark depressions. I was having sleepless nights. I suffer from, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, insomnia. Thank you. Insomnia as it is. Um, but that on top of still having the pain, but not the bleeding was horrible. So there was nothing that lessened the pain. Very, very shortly. Um, the longest that I ever had success for bleeding was three years. Everything else was a very small thing. It's very, very small. It, it's lasted maybe a couple months, maybe a year, but we were always in surgery in less than if anywhere from a year to a year and a half to two years, we were back in the, the operating room. So that's why now I'm, I'm up to 12 surgeries at this point. Wow. And so even like an ibuprofen, like over the counter, like the strongest. Ibuprofen to it? me was almost disrespectful. Like, <laughs> I love how she put it. Yes. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. why are you even giving me this? Yeah. It's not, it right. didn't do anything. Okay. It, yeah, I mean, even if I had ankle pain, I almost welcomed the ankle pain because I didn't, I could focus on that pain and not the other pain. So yeah, and actually ibuprofen, I'm not a doctor, but ibuprofen in my opinion is not the best thing for you. It's, it's more for your joints and everything. If women are having any kind of menstrual pain, rather it be endometriosis pain or just a normal menstrual, menstrual cycle, yeah. Motrin is Motrin. the best thing for you. And okay. I know you go to the store and you see Motrin and then you see ibuprofen that has ba that's basically Motrin. No, you need the Motrin that okay. says it on that's there. That's good to know. It's the best thing. It slows down the bleeding and it helps with the pain. Okay, that's awesome. So Beatrice, I have a question. Can you share with us um, your experience with going to the doctor and presenting this to them and how they were, how, excuse me, how they were towards you, you know, before you got the diagnosis, because there's some listeners out there who might be experiencing what you've just shared mm -hmm. and they've been told it's not a big deal. Like you're just, you're just on your period. It's just called cramping. It's in your head. It's in your head. I love how male doctors like to chime in. <laughs> yeah, especially um, what we have going on right now in the news. Oh, oh we won't touch, <laughs> we won't touch on that. That's but yes, that's another episode. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. The male doctors usually, and and some are very sweet, but um, for the most part, they don't know. You know, they don't know what's going on. And medically, they know, but physically, they don't. They don't. Right. Um, now. I've had Dr. Marquez since I was 19, but before I felt like the doctors meant well, but they didn't know what I, they were up against. Um, now, the experience I have with doctors not listening is hospitalizations. 
mm. hospitalizations, emergency room. And if you're a sufferer from endometriosis from anywhere from stage two to four, you're in the emergency room once a month. I was in the emergency room. Me and my husband, William, have been in the emergency room once a month for two years. And that's on the low end. Sometimes it's two to three months. They, some of, some of them thought that I was looking for pain meds. Some of them thought that I was being dramatic. And then the second that my husband said, she's had 10 surgeries, 11 surgeries, 12, you know, depending on when we, what years we were in the hospital, she's not joking. So either you guys help her or let us go. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what it came boiled down to. And my mom and dad were there. They've been there every step of the way. So if they weren't in the hospital with me and William, then it was William. And somebody had to step up for me because I'm at the point where I can't talk. Right. I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything. I mean, you are vomiting on certain days because the pain is so bad. You can't hold food down. You can't hold water down. So you have to have somebody who that advocates for you when you're at your lowest where you are not yourself. Can I just say this sounds like you're in full-fledged labor? Yeah. And when you're at L&D, you know, labor and delivery, they if you can't talk, if you can't breathe, they rush you back there. So that just pisses me off because okay. you're basically feeling the same types of things mm -hmm. and they're just treating it completely different, which right. is not right. fair. Right. Right. And you almost think to yourself, you're crazy. You're losing it. You start to believe you're crazy. You yeah, do. Because so do. many people are like, oh, it's normal. But... You have to fight for yourself because you know it's not normal. You know that your body is not supposed to react this way. I see my friends. I see my family getting up, getting up, doing everything that they're supposed to be doing, going to work, having a family, and I can't. I literally in bed. I've had three, 45, three or four, I can't even remember now, 45-day uh, bed rest where I had to be off of work. Couldn't do anything but just lay, go to the bathroom, and lay down. That's it, because we were trying to have the hormonal based, new hormonal-based treatments to do its job. And it could only do that if I was not having any kind of traumatic experience with my body. You and that's like even a, walking. You need like a baseline. Yes. Yeah. I need just to be flat, let it take. Wow. Hopefully it took. And you're seeing all these women who are having periods, doing mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. that you right. should be doing on Every your day period. You're not things. supposed to stop your life. Right. Right. It stops it and it alters it because you don't know who you are anymore. And also, B, tell us about William. I'm, I'm happy that you're bringing up your husband, William. Um, please share with us how he has been supportive and how it's affect, if you don't mind us asking how, if, if it has affect your marriage. Um, yeah, we'd love to yeah. hear about that. Well, I'll have the tissues ready just in case I cry. <laughs> They're right here. They're all um, available. <laughs> right there, girlfriend. Um, you know, it's funny because I went, the time that I met William, I was actually getting out of my first marriage. Um, I, it wasn't working out, and I know the endo had a lot to do with it, you know. Um, and I don't even like to touch on that. But what I really, endo affects everything. But the thing is, when I met William, I was at the sickest I'd ever been in my life. I just entering into a 45-day bed rest. I don't know how I met him. I mean, I know how yeah. I met him, but, you know, I don't know how we fell in love. Did you meet him in your bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, nowadays you can. Yeah, the computer. very true. I yes. could have just swiped right. <laughs> but and I there did. There he was. And there he was. No, you know what? I met him through a mutual friend, and it was, uh, thank God, it was one of the days that I was up being able to do something. And we, we ended up having our first date, and he was just an angel. I fell in love from, from the moment I saw him. Oh. But as we started, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, with my own insecurities I know mm -hmm. I don't have anything to offer this man mm -hmm. as far as a family 
I've been trying to get pregnant for years oh, and it so never funny. worked. And I'm thinking to myself, what? Why does he want me? I'm, I'm mm. literally heading in a 45 day bed rest. I am. I can't have sex. It hurts. <laughs> you know, I have I'm taking at that point. I was taking 21 medications a day to try to function. I really wasn't working. What does he want? What does he see in me? And he was young. He's still young at that point. He deserved to have a family. And I felt like I was taking that away from him. So I held back a little bit, but he didn't. You know, he was like, and you have to have that early on conversation. And I'm telling you, as a woman, that's the worst conversation to have with somebody that you love, that they can either say, I want a family, I can't do this, or I'll do it all the way. It's really 50-50, and I was so scared, but it's something that needed to be talked about. Good for you. Um, we talked about it. And he said, I don't care what we have to go through. We can adopt. We cannot have children. I'm not losing you. So that was the best thing that I could have ever heard. Cheers to William. Cheers to William. What an incredible man. He is. He has never, he really stops. He's never stopped amazing me, to be quite honest, because this takes a lot of hormone journeys. A lot of um, hard conversations to have about what we're doing with our future. Mm -hmm. Um, And really somebody who truly loves you for not what you can give them, but who you are. That's something that um, as I'm going through this journey, I just never thought I was going to have. So, and I always tell him, I said it actually in our wedding vows. I said, you don't go through it. (laughs) I'm trying to. It's okay. Sorry. Take your time. Take your time. Um, I, I told him, I don't feel like you go through it next to me as far as you giving me support. I feel like you go through it with me. And it's very hard for somebody to understand that unless they're walking in our shoes because he has missed so many friends' functions. We've missed so many trips, you know, that he that I wanted him to be a part of. And even just going to a, a, ba- a baseball game. We've been together four years and I have yet to be able to go with him to a baseball game because I can't walk that far. I couldn't do the stairs. I couldn't do anything like that. And we're actually going at the end of this month. Yay! So I'm super excited and I know he is too. So I'm ready. I'm, I'm super excited to give him back something because he's given me so much. So it's really, it does. It affects your relationships and it affects your friendships and it affects those things where people are sympathetic but they really don't understand. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to the movies, but I can't sit in that chair scrunched up for two hours. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to your child's function, but I can't stand up for more than an, maybe 30 minutes. Or I would love to be in your wedding, but I can't, I don't know if I'm gonna be bleeding out of control and I'm gonna be hospitalized. You don't realize how much it takes from you. And that's why I say you have to fight for it. You have to have the right people in your lives. My sisters, my blood sisters alone are amazing. My cousins are amazing. My best friends, Maria and Lindsay, have been so supportive in every way. And Lindsay, you know, she had my godson a couple years ago, Lalo. And she has been sensitive from the moment she found out she was pregnant to now. She has been my angel when it comes to knowing and understanding how I feel. Although she's never experienced endometriosis, she's been sensitive. She has been caring and loving. And my sister, her son is actually my godson, Derek, and we just went to Disneyland. 
And he and I have going to Disneyland was like the last thing I could think of. The last time I was there, I was having the worst pain. Um, but this time I was better. And Derek, I'll never forget as long as I live. He goes, um, I'm really excited about Disneyland, but the thing I'm most excited about is Titi is spending time with my Titi. And you lose those things in it because you're in bed. You're, right. you're in bed. The only energy you have throughout the day is to go to work and come home. You don't have time to make, to have a friendships, to make friendships, make them stronger. You don't have time for those. So you need the people around you to understand that this is all I could give, even though my heart wants to give so much more. It's it's beautiful to to hear that your tribe, because we call it our tribes. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect word for it. Yeah, they've been there for you. Mm-hmm. And, and gosh, I know God it's bless amazing. You. I can't stop looking at you. I know this. I mean, just to call you a warrior is like barely scratching the surface. Right. I mean, yeah. I um, am in such awe and just. Um, and that's what we say. We call ourselves Indo fighters. Oh, wow, she's or, showing us her tattoo. Her tattoo. Indo fighters. We do wow. Indo fight. We're Indo fighters. We're Indo warriors. And if uh, someone is diagnosed with endometriosis, you're already our sister, because we have to fight together. Unfortunately, I've lost a couple of Indo sisters in this journey. Um, just in the recent years, I've lost almost nine uh, to suicide. Um, that to me sounds amazing. That number is just crazy to me. Um, and these are just numbers that you know of. That we I mean, yeah. all over the world, there's so many women taking their lives because of endometriosis. Yes, endometriosis. And, and I was recently diagnosed with, um, aden- I always say it wrong, adenomyosis. And that's actually endometriosis in the uterine wall. So there's two things you could do for that. There's hormonal-based treatments, which you've been through your whole life if you've been dealing with endometriosis, or there's a hysterectomy, because literally the endometriosis just, it, it gets bigger and bigger in your endometrio, uh, your, your uterus wall, and it swells to the point where you have to take it out or else it's going to start attacking other organs and shutting them down, which I've experienced that myself. Um, so I didn't have an option to have a hysterectomy. It was... There was no option. I literally go to the grocery store and I'm falling to my knees because the pain, it's just, it's almost like a stabbing pain in your, in your pelvic bone. And you don't know when it's going to stop. You don't know when it's coming again. And the bleeding is out of control. The pain is out of control. I was non-functional for uh, almost a year. So when you have that, it helps. You know, I'm much better now. But unfortunately, there is no cure for endometriosis. It's still growing. Um, I just recently started having some endo pain again. I just had my hysterectomy seven months ago. Wait a minute. Back up here. Sure. You just shared with us that you've had a hysterectomy. Yes. From what I thought, once you have a hysterectomy, all issues go away. Yeah, that's one of, that's a misconception because Endo, uh, hysterectomies do not cure endometriosis. Once you have endometriosis, there is no known cure. The only thing, the only reason why it helped me is because I was diagnosed with adenomyosis. Okay. That cures that because you take your whole entire uterus out. Right. So that is not affected. That's not a factor anymore. But so endo- tell us. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Tell us what's going on now. So what 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 effects are you having? Well, because it's going to be a full year until my hormones go back into 
I don't know, the new normal, okay. I like to say. Okay. Um, I'm, I experience hot flashes. I still, but I've experienced that my whole time with endometriosis. Um, but now the pain is, I still have endotax. They're not as severe. It's something that I could totally deal with. I mean, okay. one year of okay. adenomyosis, you could deal with a lot. <laughs> you know, okay. so I'm still having the pains. I still have a lot of hot flashes, but it does start to affect, you start to deal with the emotional aspect of it not being able to have children, um, depression, anxiety, all those things that I developed through my endometriosis journey and the other autoimmune diseases that I developed because of my endometriosis, like interstitial cystitis. I developed that, which is a hole in your bladder. And you really have to stay on top of that because with a hole in your bladder, urine can leak onto other organs and they could start shutting down. It's almost like a poison. So you have to stay on top of that. And that is extremely painful. Oh, my God. <laughs> it hurts. It's cramping like, like you, you have no idea. been through enough. I mean, I, I know, right? You need a break. I would love a break, you know? <laughs> but that's what I always tell William. I said, I feel like our lives together and our connection together, I almost feel like I'm not sick. So that's why I said with the tribe, I think that's the perfect word because you need everybody to make you feel normal. You don't feel normal. So you need the people that love you to make you feel normal mm -hmm. and to hear you. That's yeah. the main thing is just listen. And don't judge. And don't judge. You we haven't even know. touched that we know, subject you never know with what people are going Beatrice to. because I'm sure you've come across strangers and people in the workplace that have judged you. Absolutely. I would love to talk about that um so we're we're definitely gonna do a part two yeah so with beatrice i think that um we're gonna just stop here and thank you guys so much for listening we will have the part two available uh when we release the part one so uh we will see you on part two yeah thank bye. you so much bye